Hey, hello, everybody. Um, going to start in about 30 seconds. What's the show? Hi. Hi. Hi, Mommy. Hi, Shah. How are you? Okay. okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start now. Now I'm gonna put everyone on mute. Okay. Good evening, everyone. This week's parsha is Parsha Tetzava, which begins in the Stone Chumash on page four sixty-four. So, I'd like to just talk, um, ask a question or two about 
something at the very beginning of the Pasha, something at the very end of the Pasha, and also try to try, tie together Purim, which is between now and Shabbos. So um, I think it's appropriate to try to pull it all together as Hashem. So the Pasha begins, Yisrael. Now you shall command the children of Israel. That they shall take for you pure pressed olive oil for illumination to kindle the lamp continually. So this is the mitzvah to light the menorah in the mishkan. And um, it continues, it says, in the tent of meeting outside the partition that's near the testimonial tablets. Aaron and his son shall arrange it from evening until morning before Hashem. An eternal decree for that generations from the children of Israel. So here we have the mitzvah to light, to kindle the menorah. So a couple of questions about this, about this mitzvah. Um, first of all, it would seem that this mitzvah is somewhat out of place. Um, last week's parasha gave the uh, description of the, or the various parts, the various uh, vessels and the various parts of the mishkan, of the tabernacle, and, then, and it ended with the description of the of the, um, the courtyard around the tabernacle. This week's parasha, right after this section that we read, starting from Parak of Ches, um, chapter 28, talks about the um, the big big day kahuna, the the uh, vestments of the kohanim. The vestments of Aaron and his children and his sons that they wore when they did the avod when they did the service in the tabernacle, and that takes up a big a big part of this week's parsha. Um, right in the middle here, we have the mitzvah to light the menorah, which seems to be somewhat out of place. We were we're talking about the construction of the tabernacle. We're talking about the making of the vestments that were going to be used in the tabernacle. And, and then right in the middle, we have a mitzvah of lighting the menorah. That's something that's not part of the construction. It's not, it's not part of the preparation of, of the uh, things that were needed to, to actually um, either have the tabernacle or to use the tabernacle by the, the Kohanim wearing them, but actually an ongoing mitzvah that's done every day, which is to light the menorah. So that doesn't seem to... It would seem logically not to belong here. So what is this doing here at this particular point? That I think is one question. Um, another question, which is an interesting one, which may not uh, show up, a person may not think of because it's, uh, it's not so um, obvious in the text, is that the Torah says, who is it? that lights the, uh, that kindles or that arranges and kindles these these lights. It's Aaron Obanov, Aaron and his sons. Now, that sounds straightforward enough, but the truth of the matter is, it's not as straightforward as it sounds. It's actually a discussion in the Gemara Masech the Yuma um, about if it's, if it's absolutely necessary that a Kohen should be the one to light the menorah in the Beis Amikdash, in the Mishkan, 
in the Beis Hamikdash. We know that men, that some of or many of the avodas, um, many of the acts of service that are, that 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 are done in the Mishkan or in the Beis Hamikdash need to be done specifically by Kohanim, not by anyone else. However, there are some things that could be done as uh, uh, related to the service that are not necessarily done exclusively by Kohanim. So for example, um, the Gemara tells us in Masech Tzvachim, I think Rashi brings it also later on in, in, in Sefer Vayikra, that the shechita, the slaughtering of the animals, shechita is bizarre. The slaughtering of the animals for the Karbanas does not have to be done by a coin. That could be done by a non-coin. So that's one example. That's not considered an avod. The shechita lava avodi, I think the Gemara says, shechita is not considered a type of service that requires a coin. So the kindling of the menorah, does that require a coin? So the Gemara, there's a discussion about it in the Gemara. And the Rambam actually rules that it does not require a coin. And, um, and technically, we'll soon see in a moment that it's not so practical, but technically the lighting of the menorah can be done even by a non-coin. Now, as a practical matter, it really has to be done by a coin for the simple reason that uh, because of the location of the menorah. The menorah is located inside the Olamoid, inside the, the tent of meeting, and in that location, only Kohanim are allowed to enter. Not Kohanim can't even go there. They, you can't even, they can't even approach the menorah. So therefore, the only one who's going to be able to end up approaching the menorah is the coin, so the coin will have to light it. However, the Rambam says um, if they would for some reason or other, they would remove the menorah from its place and and uh, kindle it outside of its place and then maybe put it back afterwards. And so then even a non-Kohen can kindle it because as long as the whole issue is only that he, can, he can't get there, the actual kindling could be done by someone else, not necessarily by a Kohen. That's the Rambam's ruling. The, the Raivet disagrees to some extent, but let's assume for a moment the Rambam's ruling. But if that's the case, it would seem to be um, somewhat, somewhat strange that the Torah would emphasize here that Aaron Obanov are the ones who light the menorah, because technically speaking, they don't have to be the ones that can light the menorah. Now, as a practical uh, matter, most of the time, or the vast majority of the time, they're going to end up lighting the menorah because the menorah is in its proper place. However, there is actually no law, no halacha, that it must be Aaron and his, and his sons to light the menorah. So if that's the case, why is it mentioned? Why is it said here that Aaron and the bond of do it, uh, are the ones that do it? Well, you could just leave it out. You could just say that it needs to be lit. And we would figure out that it, since it's located inside, that only Aaron and his children will end up being the ones doing it. But why would the Torah emphasize Aaron Ubanov if technically there's no requirement that it should be only Kohanim? That's question number two. Now I'd like to <clears throat> skip here for all the way to the end of the parasha. The rest of the, we have, a, like in the middle here, a whole section about the making of the various vestments. And then we have another section afterwards, starting on page 474, where it talks about the um, various kabbonas that were brought for the inauguration of the Mishkan. That's another part of the parasha. And then finally, all the way at the end, on page 482, we have another section, Paraklama chapter 30, where it talks about the Mizbech HaKtoris, the incense altar. And here we have a mitzvah, the Asisa Mizbech, Miktar Katoris, is that you should make an altar up on which to bring incense. 
and it talks about how the how the um, this mizbech is made, how this altar is made, and uh, and then it describes the service of the bringing the incense, which is on uh, pasuk Zion over there, pasuk seven, where the last few pesukim in the parsha talks about starts talking about upon it shall Aaron bring the spice every morning when he cleans the lamps every and every uh, and every evening. Um, when Aaron kindles the lamps, he brings the, he brings the um, the katoris. So, a couple of questions over here. Question number one, which many of the commentaries deal with, but it's an obvious question, is that this really seems to be out of place. This section dealing with the the um, making of the altar, this seem, would seem to belong in last week's parsha. Last week's parsha talks about the making of the aron, the making of the shulchan, the table inside the tabernacle. So about the, the, the making of the menorah, the candelabra, it talks about making the mizbeach, the other the other altar that's that's um, upon which, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, the that was called uh, the um, copper altar upon which the most of the carbonus were brought, and uh, and the rest of the the construction of the mishkan and the things that were in the mishkan are. For the most part, mentioned in last week's parsha. So why is the Ketoras Mizbech mentioned all, only over here after this whole uh, section dealing with other things? And we get almost as, as an afterthought. There's this other part, this other thing that's put into the Mishkan that's put in a separate that that's placed here in the Torah in a completely separate section. Why is that? Um, and also, what's interesting is that the Torah, the, the the Torah makes a connection, draws a connection between the Ketoras and the lighting of the Neiros. The two sections of the Torah that we just read, even though one's all the way at the beginning of the Pasha, one's all the way at the end of the Pasha, they seem to be connected in, on, 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 a, on a different level here, because the Torah describes the timing when the incense is brought as being brought Every morning when he cleans the lamps, and in the evening, in the afternoon when he kindles the lamps. So the bringing of the, the, the of the katoras is pretty much the same time as the lighting of the menorah. So that seems to say that there's some kind of a of a, of a bond, some type of a connection between the menorah, the lighting of the menorah at the beginning of our parsha, and the bringing of the katoras at the end of our parsha. Both of them seem to be out of place in where they're placed in the Torah. And they are actually connected to each other. So, what is um, what is exactly going on here with these two things, the menorah and the katoras? So, um, by way of introduction to try to answer these the, these questions, I want to bring up uh, a Purim connection here, because um, as some, as we may be aware, there's actually a connection between. Purim and the Ketoras. The Gemara Masech Techulin says, it's a very interesting Gemara, which is often quoted. The Gemara asks there, Mordechai min ha-Torah minayim. Where do we find Mordechai in the Torah? Mordechai, the hero of the Purim story, where is he found in the Torah? Obviously, uh, Mordechai lived many, many centuries after the Torah was given, but, but he's alluded to. Where is Mordechai alluded to in the Torah? So the, the Gemara says that it, he's alluded to something. It's actually a pasuk in next week's Pasha, 
The pasuk in next week's parsha is dealing with uh, the shemen hamishka, which the with the oil that was used for anointing, and there there were certain types of spices that were put in there, and one of the spices was called mordoror. Um, we can look at it. it's really just to turn two more pages. If you turn to page four eighty six, it's right towards the beginning of next week's parsha. It says on. It says, you should take for yourself choice spices. And the first one of the spices listed there is Mardoror. Mardoror, pure mirror, they translate it. But the Targum, the Unculus with the Aramaic translation, says Mardoror is Meiro Dachia. Meiro Dachia is, uh, is words that sound very similar to Mordechai. So the Gemara says that Mordechai is alluded to in this particular type of spice in next week's parasha. Now that spice, although the plus the, the section there is talking about the Shaman Mishkam and the anointment oil, that same spice more is also found in the Ketoros. It's also found in the incense of this week's parasha. It's not, it doesn't say it's Clearly in the Pasik, but it's, it was uh, from Tarshabal Pep, from the tradition that we have. And we actually mentioned it in our davening in Peter Maktoris, which we say on Shabbos. So there it mentions, it mentions more. And, uh, and that is the spice which is associated with Mordechai. So Mordechai is right here in the Ketoris. Question is, what in the world does the Mordechai have to do with the Ketoris? Or well, what does the Ketoris have to do with Mordechai? It's interesting, something, something that occurred to me uh, that um, we have the, the beginning of the Pasha talks about the menorah. The end of the Pasha talks about Ketoros. What are, what are the two holidays, the two rabbinic holidays that we have during the wintertime where the Jewish people instituted? There's Hanukkah, which has to do with the menorah, and this Purim that has to do with uh, Ketoros, with Mordechai. So we have, at the beginning and end of this week's Pasha, we have Hanukkah on one end and Purim on the other end, which is a, an interesting little um, tidbit. But what, what's the significance of that? So I want to try to begin explaining this. Uh, some of the, the concepts that, I, that, I, that, I, uh, that I'm saying today is, is based on a talk that I heard, a recording that I heard from uh, Rabbi Gedalia Shores, who's a great Rosh Hashiva and great um, think, uh, Talmud Chacham and thinker who passed away, and uh, 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 unfortunately when relatively young back in the late 1970s. Um, but so, so some of the thoughts I'm saying they came from him, but I kind of, I kind of um, played around with it and changed it a little bit. So if it's good, it's from him, and if it's not so good, it's from me. <laughs> so here, here it is. So the. Um, the Gemara, let's begin by, by quoting the other part of that, another part of that Gemara. We said the same Gemara that says, Mordechai min atorim inayim, where do you know Mordechai from the Torah? It also says, Haman min atorim inayim. Where do we find Haman, Haman, the villain of the Purim story in the Torah? And there the Gemara says, where do we find Haman in the Torah? And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the Torah. The beginning of the Torah, we have a word that doesn't exactly say Haman, but it's spelled the same way as Haman, hey, mem, nun. And which word is that? That's all the way by, this, by the story of the Eitz Das, 
where Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, and Hashem says to Adam, Hamin ho'etz. Hamin ho'etz means, did you, did you eat from the tree? Hamin ho'etz. And when, it, when Hashem asked Mordechai, oh, I'm sorry, Hashem asked Adam, if he ate from the tree, he used the word Hamin, which is the same letter as Hamon. And says the Gemara, that's where Hamon is found in the Torah. That's a very, it's, it's a, it seems to be like a cute play on words, but what in the world does that have to do with Haman, the tree of knowledge? So the Maharal, I believe, I haven't seen it for a while, but my, rec- my recollection, the Maharal explains that the connection between Haman and Hamina Eitz is the following, that we know that, um, that the Haman was the one who who is the, he's like the epitome of the person who tried to totally kill, to kill every single Jew. Lahashmid, Lahareg, Ulaabe. That will between, as Kalayudim, between Haman and Hitler. I don't know if there was another person like that. Who, who, but Haman was the, was the first who tried and almost succeeded at killing every single Jew. Um, so he was the epitome of the killer, of the murderer, of the one who was bringing death to the world. Now, where does where do we find one person who brought death to the world more than anyone else? And we don't usually look at it this way, but it was it was Adam, it was Adam, because when he ate from the tree of knowledge, that that was the source. Like the Torah tells us, that was the source of death. Before that, no one would have died. Adam wouldn't have died. The whole reason why there was death in the world altogether all comes from Adam. Therefore, says the Maharal, Haman Minayin. Where do we find allusion to Haman? An allusion to Haman. Haman is the killer, is the one who, who's Mr. Death, if you will. That's Haman. Where do we find the root? The root of the force of the power of Haman? It was back all the way back, Amino eight. It was when Adam originated from that, that that tree. That's was the, is the source of death. Haman was tapping in to the death that was brought to the world at, at that time when Adam ate from the tree. That's how the Maral explains the Gemara. With that, we can also, we can, take, we, can, we can take another step and we can say that that's why Mordechai is found in the Ketoros. Why, why is that? Because it's interesting that the, the Gemara tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven to, to receive the Torah, to receive the tablets, to receive the Torah, so it says there that all the angels gave him gifts. The Gemara Masech the Shabbos. All the angels gave him gifts. And then it says, well, even the Malach HaMavis, the, the, uh, the angel of death gave him a gift. What was the gift that was given to him by the Malach HaMavis? He says, uh, the gift that he gave him was some information, a secret. Uh, the the secret was that there's a there's an antidote there's a way to prevent death if there's a plague and and many people are dying there's a way to to um, prevent it what's the what's the means the means is called the katores like the gemara like the pasuk says in, in Parshas Korach that there was a plague and Moshe Rabbeinu told Aaron, quickly, go take the, the, the pan and bring the ketores and run and through, and through um, bringing the ketores, 
um, that is going that stopped the magefa, that stopped the plague. That's what it says in Pasha, the Pasuk of Pasuk Korach. And it says there, had Moshe Rabbeinu know this, this he it was taught, it was taught to him by the Malchamavis himself. The angel of death himself told him that that Katoris has the ability to stop death, to stop a plague. So, um, so I think with that we can we can see a fascinating parallel that uh, uh, that what's the antidote for Haman? Haman is Mehamina Eitz. He comes from he, he he has his source in the in the Eitzadas. When the sin of the Eitz Adas, which brought death to the world, and Haman brings has the power, or almost had the power, to bring death into the entire Jewish people, to bring death to the whole world in a sense. Haman had that power. What was the antidote? Who was the one who was able to be victorious over Haman? It was Mordechai, because Mordechai had the Ketoris. Mordechai was more Duror, and the Ketoris is what prevents, what prevents death. So I think it all fits in very nicely, but now we have, we have to try to understand this. What is this? What is it about the Ketoris? What is it about the Ketoris that prevents, that prevents death? So um, there's a, a, another in, interesting thing from the, um, in the Sefer from my ancestor, it's actually my, my, my mother is on, I don't know if she can hear me, but it's her ancestor also, the Bnei Yisoskel. Um that in the Sefer of my ancestor, he says the following interesting thing. He says that why, why were, was Mordechai, or what's the significance of the fact that Mordechai was connected to the Ketores, to the incense, to the smell, and actually, incidentally, Esther also, it's like the, her other name was Hadassah. Hadassah is, comes to the word Hadassah, which is a myrtle, which is also a, a sweet-smelling uh, thing. So Mordechai and Esther both were associated with a sense of smell. So says the Bnei Soskhar, an, an interesting thing. He says, if you look way back at the sin of, of the um, of Adam Arishon, at the sin of the of the Eitzadas, we find that there's one one of the senses. He says each one of the five senses is mentioned there, and some associated with the Eitzadas: the sense of taste, the sense of feeling, the the um, the the um, um, all, all the senses, the sense of sight, sense of hearing, they're all associated with in some way to the with, with the with the with that sin. The only one that's not mentioned there is the sense of smell. Sense of smell. So he says the the Bnei Sosther, that the sense of smell was somehow not sullied. It wasn't ruined. It was more. It remained in a certain way. In a certain sense, okay, no pun, in, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> in, a, in a certain way, the sense of smell remained pristine. Everything else was solid, was dirty, was ruined to a certain extent by the sin of Adamarishan, except for the sense of smell. And therefore, if we say that Haman was rooted in the in that sin, so then 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 the sense of smell is going to be the antidote. Mordechai, which is the sense of smell, which is the Ketores, um, is going to be the antidote to the death that came from there because smell was something that was not, that was not sullied in that, in that sin. And the idea over here seems to be, to try to explain it a little bit more, the idea seems to be is that when and, and the Nefesh Chaim talks about this, when he talks about Tshuva, he says whenever anybody does something wrong, when someone does something destructive, destructive, to others, destructive to oneself. When someone gets uh, uh, creates 
a stain on his neshama, he creates a blockage within himself to, in his connection to Hashem, he does something wrong. So there's an idea of teshuva, that it's possible to come back to rectify it. But how does teshuva work? If a person, if a person got himself into this type of mess, how do you get out of it? So the answer is, the Sparm said, and Echel talks about this, is that, that the way the, the, the way teshuva works is that it's true that when a person does something wrong, he, 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 he destroys or he, he uh, cuts off a certain part of himself from his connection to Kedusha, connection to holiness, from a connection to Hashem, he creates a barrier. That's true. But it's only up to a point. Only a certain, uh, even, even no matter how bad the person does, the person does only, does only a little bit, something, something relatively not so bad, so there's a lot of himself that's still connected. But even if a person does many, many bad things, and he's very, 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 very disconnected, but there's still some part in him that remains connected no matter what. And it's through that part that he's able to rebuild everything else. It's through the part that was not tainted by the sin that he's able to, to, to capitalize on that and through that rebuild himself and eventually rectify the thing that a person did wrong. That's the way Teshuvah works. And therefore, when the, uh, it goes all the way back to the Eitzadas, that Adam Arishim did, the, the, did, did that first, he sinned that first time and he, he ruined his sense of of, uh, to a large degree, he ruined the sense of sight, he ruined the sense of hearing, he ruined the sense of feeling, etc. But so how, how is the shuva going to happen? How are we going to rectify things? The, the rectification is going to have to come through the part that was not tainted, and that's through the sense of smell. And, and, and it's, it's Mordechai who had this connection with the sense of smell that, was, that, that had the ability to counteract Haman, just as the Ketores, which is connected to the sense of smell, counteracts the death uh, that comes from a Magetha, that comes from a plague. And the... Um, so the question is, how does how does let's try to understand this a little bit more? How does this work? What is it? What is it about the sense of smell? What, then how, how do we rectify this? What does it mean? What does it mean? How can we can we get a little bit of a of a understanding of this? How the sense of smell is the rectification for the for the for, for the sin of other Marishan. So the um, so first um, yeah. So I think that, that I think it has to do with the following. The Gemara tells us in the Sechta Yuma some very interesting things about the Ketoros. It describes the Ketoros, and it says that that the Ketoros, the Gemara says the Ketoros was such a strong smell that that in Yericho, which was it says ten, excuse me, ten parasoyas away, which is probably about. I don't know, 30 miles or something like that, 25 miles away from Jerusalem, from the base of Amigdash, is the city of Yericho. I don't know, maybe some of you are familiar with the area in Eretz Yisrael. Tell me if I'm, I'm off. Maybe it was 20, maybe it's 20 miles away. It's not so far, but something like 20 miles away from the base of Amigdash in the city of Yericho, it said a kala, a bride, didn't have to put on perfume for her wedding because the, the, the smell of the ketores was so small, was so strong, that was enough. That's what it said. That's one thing it says over there. And then the Gemara tells us something else. It tells us that 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 
the smell of the of, of the katoras was so small that there was someone many many hundreds of years after the, the, the there was a there was a mishkan a tabernacle in Shiloh, which was destroyed. And it says that somebody hundreds and hundreds of years later, maybe a thousand years later, was was able to make out the smell of the katoras there and the ruins of the mishkan of Shiloh. So. What, what, what's the what, what's the idea that the Gemara is trying to tell us here? That the smell went all the way to Yericho. The smell was still there a thousand years later. So I believe that the, the concept over here is that the sense of smell is something that can give us a connection in a way that all the other senses, it goes far beyond all the other senses and, and what it can connect us, connect us to. A person is 20 miles away from the base of Mikdash. They can't see the base of Mikdash. They can't hear what's going on in the base of Mikdash. They certainly can't feel what's going on in the base of Mikdash. They certainly can't taste any of the things that are in the base of Mikdash. What connection can the person in Yericho have to the base of Mikdash? Through which one of his senses? Only the sense of smell. The sense of, and, and the sense of smell transcends the limitations of space in a way that no other sense can do. And the same thing with time. There's no way, there was no, no, um, nothing left of the Mishkan of Shiloh that was that, that, that the, of the, of the Avod, of the service in the Mishkan of Shiloh a thousand years later. There's no trace of the Karbanas that were brought. There's no trace of, of the songs that the Levim sang to hear. You couldn't see it, you couldn't hear it, you couldn't taste it, you couldn't touch it. Well, but what can you still sense about the Mishkan of Shiloh a thousand years later? The smell. The smell transcends limitations of time. And so I think that the idea of the smell is that no matter how far a person may be from the Kedusha, and again, I think it's connected to this idea of, 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 a, um, of, of, of truva, the idea of how a person who, who, who cuts himself off, whether an individual or whether even the community, that we, they, we, we cut ourselves off sometimes by the wrong choices that we make from Kedusha, no matter how, how much we cut ourselves off, no matter how distant we make ourselves from the Kedusha, starting from Adam Arisha, when he ate from he created this tremendous, tremendous chasm between himself and Hashem that didn't exist before. And that's why death has to come, and it has to do with that, with that disconnect. But no matter how disconnected we come, there's still this, this line, this line of connection, this, this uh, wireless connection, if you will, called the sense of smell. And that connects us to things that we're, to, to the, to connect, can connect a person to the base of Mikdash, even though he's miles away, and it can connect us to the base of Mikdash, base of Mikdash and the Mishkan, even though we're, we're thousands of years removed. Why? Because we that taps in, the sense of smell is what taps into that part of ourselves that are, that, that, that's still connected. That, like we said, it wasn't there. The smell wasn't there in the, in the sin of the Aitzadas. The idea is that through the sense of smell, we can be connected to things, to, to levels of holiness and to levels of Kedusha that we may be so far removed in other, in other ways, but through the sense of smell, we're still there. And that's why the Ketores is, is, is what has the ability to take away the Misa. It's, it has the ability of, to reconnect ourselves, reconnect ourselves to Hashem and, and circumvent and sidestep the disconnect that, that, that's reflected, that's manifest 
in the death of a Makefa or in the power of Haman, uh, we can saw, we can we can circumvent that by tapping in to the to the sense of smell, which is that part of ourselves that remains connected no matter what. And um, I think that's why maybe the, the section that deals with the Ketoris, from the Mizbech Ketoris, is found. We can go back and try to answer that answer a couple of our questions here. That's why it's not um, it's not with the rest of the of the of the Mishkan. The rest of the Mishkan is described in last week's parsha. Pasha's Terumah, we have the iron, we have the, the, uh, the, 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 the even the menorah, we have the um, shulchan, everything is in last week's parasha. But the Ketoros is kind of removed. It's far away from the rest of the Mishkan. But that maybe is the, the, exactly the point. The point of the Ketoros is that the Mizbech HaKetoros has a way to take, even, even though we've left the description of the Mishkan, we're, we're, we're past it, we're beyond it, we're out of it. We, maybe we lost it, we're away from the Mishkan, and we, but the Ketoros can somehow bring us back. And that's why it's placed in the Chumash in a, in a, in a, where we're disconnected from the rest of the Mishkan, because that's what the Ketoros the does. The Ketoros connects us even, even when we're disconnected. And, um, and the truth is, who is the one that, that um, that that had that was able to do this. Who is the one person who most personified the um, the, the the this idea of the Ketoris? So it's interesting that it, the pasuk here says when it talks about the Ketoris, it says there was a zer zahav, there was a golden crown on the mizbeach haKetoris on this mizbeach that when you brought the Ketoris. Rashi says that the golden crown on the mizbeach haKetoris is is simon lekeser kahuna. It's a, it symbolizes the crown of Kahuna, the crown of the Kohen. This, because the one who, the, who is the one who's most associated with the Ketoros? It's the Kohen. Why the Kohen? Because Aaron HaKohen, it says in the Mishnah, that Aaron HaKohen, his, what was his attribute? It says he was Oev as Abrios on the Karvon Latorov. Aaron was the one who brought people who were distant, close to the Torah. And how did he do it? By all of his abrius, by loving people, meaning that Aaron Akon was the one who was able to take a person, who would look at a person who was far away from the Torah, and he was able to love that person. How was he able to love that person? Because he was able to focus on the part of the person that no matter how far he is, is still close. And by, by Aaron loving the person who was far away, he brought him close to the Torah because he was able to, to get that person to focus on the, on the part that's still connected and to rebuild himself that way. That's what Aaron was. Aaron Akon was the one who was able to do that. And the, the and and when do you light the, when do you bring the Ketoros? The Pasik says when you light the menorah, because the menorah is also connected to this, to this idea. The menorah, the Pasik says in the beginning of the Pasha, lit, when was the, the menorah lit from a Erev Adboker? According to the simple reading of the Tzukim, the menorah was lit during the night. You lit it in the afternoon, late afternoon, and it lit the whole night. Even the Gemara, the Gemara says it has to have to have enough oil to light through the long winter nights. The menorah lit through the long winter nights. The menorah is also is also uh, emphasizing the same idea because the idea of the night is the idea when the things are dark, when the connection to Hashem is not visible. It's the time where we where the world seems to be so disconnected. That's when, when it's dark and we can't see Hashem's presence, whether it's in the individual can't see it or whether we can't see it in the world. And the menorah is the light that lights up that darkness. 
That's the idea of the menorah. And uh, it's the idea again of connect, of light when it's dark, of connecting when it's disconnected. And that's why the menorah is also said at the beginning of this parsha, because this parsha, this whole parsha is Tetzava. The truth is the theme of the parsha is Kohanim. The whole parsha is talking about the Kohanim. The Kohanim, the, 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 um, the, the, the Begadim, the clothing that is the Kohanim, the Kohanim wore is, is for the most part the theme of the parsha, which was their, 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 their way that they expressed their kahuna. And the Kohanim are the ones, the descendants of Aaron, who are the ones that are charged with this, with this mission of bringing the Jewish people close, even when they're far. The truth is that's what it, that's what the Korbanos are in general. But more than anything else, that's what the menorah is. And I think that's what the menorah and the, the Ketorahs are flanking the two ends of this parasha, because this is the parasha of the coin, the parasha of coming close, when we're, even though we're far. And the menorah was lit, even though it didn't have to be lit only by Kohanim. The menorah, like we said at the beginning, like the Rambam says, Theoretically, a menorah can be lit by anyone, because by any Jew, because the truth is, it's not only the Kohanim that get involved in this mission of bringing people closer to the Torah, by, by, of, of connecting when you're disconnected. Like we said, Mordechai wasn't a Kohen, but still he was the one that had the Ketoros in himself. He embodied the Ketoros, even though the Ketoros is associated with the Kohanim. But it doesn't only, it doesn't only have to be the Kohen, but that's why, excuse me, the Torah emphasizes Aaron and his sons light the menorah, not because they have to be the ones that light the menorah, but it's telling us that it's the Aaron-like attribute of loving the, a person who's distant from the Torah because seeing in himself the part that's still connected, helping him see in himself the part that's still connected. That's what Aaron and children do. They, they are the ones that give the power to the menorah, which, which is to light up even the darkest parts of the world, even the dark, even a, a Jew who's made his soul dark or whatever it is, but to be able to light that up, it it's all comes from Aaron and Cohen and his sons who have this attribute. And, but now that Aaron and Cohen have it, it's available for everyone. Uh, everyone can, can, can take that idea and use it to kindle the light inside himself, to kindle the light of other people, and to, to, be, to embody the Torah, which is to bring that smell to the, the, of, the, of the Kedusha to, the, to, to as far as it goes, as far as we can possibly take it. So then, this is, I think, what the... Um, the, this is something to keep in mind as we go into Purim, go into the parish, but also as we, as we go into Purim. It's, Purim is, in a, in a sense, the most joyous day of the year because the joy, the joy of Purim is that you know, is this idea. It's the joy of Mordechai of the Katoris. And the Katoris is that no matter how far, how distant we, we may be, whether we're distant in, in geography, far away from the base of Migdash, whether distant in time, thousands of years away from the base of Migdash, no matter how distant we are, there's still a part of us that can connect. It's the smell. We can still get a whiff. We can, we still have, we, 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 can, we can find within ourselves the sense to be able to get a whiff, a smell of that Kedusha, and through that we could rebuild ourselves, and we could rebuild the Jewish people, and there's, there, we're never totally disconnected, and therefore there's always that part in, the, in ourselves and in all of our fellow Jews that can reconnect to the base of Mikdash, may, 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 may we, we tap into that Simcha of Purim and 
um, bring that and have find that joy within ourselves, bring that joy to other people, and through that we will merit to have the have to connect with the base of Migdus, not only through the scent of smell, but through all of our senses um, when, when the coming of Mashiach Bez Hashem Thank you very much. Reb Shachna, I had a question for you. Yes, yes, Jonathan. What's the Maybe question? the other the other place you see Haman uh, by connecting where where you disconnect, we can see with with Moshe Rabbeinu Shema Noah Hamorim Amina Sel Hazel Nosilachem Mayim. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, but um, but but there, how would you tie that in? I got to think about that. How would you how would you tie that into this? Well, in one hand. Uh, we're disconnecting Klai Yisrael way Moshe Rabbein was talking, right. but yet Hashem is still keeping them connected, even with that, that he's going to let them have the Mayan. Uh, you mean it wasn't, I hear, I hear. So now, you mean the disconnector, and, and yet uh, through Moshe Rabbein, even with that, we're able to stay connected. Uh, okay, okay, I hear. Even though we're having that disconnection then, but we're still Moshe, with Moshe Rabbein, we can still remain connect, connected regardless. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very, very good. Thank you. Thank you, Zalmiyas. Okay. Afreilchem Purim. Afreilchem Purim. Okay. Thank. Okay. Have a good night, everyone. Have a have a, have a wonderful Purim and Bez Hashem. Hope to see you next next Tuesday. Bez Hashem. Thank you very much. Afreilchem Purim. Okay. Afreilchem Purim. Have a good night, Ma. Good night. Good to see you.